It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, recapping a very interesting week in the NFL, including Ron Rivera getting fired. Fantasy Football Files with Jason Kamlowski and a special guest. All that and so much more. Stay tuned. I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Welcoming you inside another edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Breaking news to get this podcast started. The Panthers have fired head coach Ron Rivera. And Ron Rivera has been... A decent coach for the Panthers, in my opinion. Um, he ends his tenure in Carolina after eight plus years, a 76 and 63 record with a Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl 50. This comes after a loss to the Washington Redskins. We'll dive into that game more, but some breaking news here on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast to get things started. As always, I'm your host, Josh Kirby. If you don't know me, make sure you check me out on all social media platforms and all streaming platforms via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. And yes, we are part of the Mayo Please. You can check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and all streaming platforms as well. We're sponsored by Route 11 Chips. Make sure... You find a bag today inside your local Martin's, Food Lion, and Giant stores. And we're also sponsored by PM Plus Reserves. Thanks, as always, to Dave Johnson, MPT Now Productions, and JR Beats Official. So, let's dive in. Um, very, very interesting week 13 in the NFL. Starts off with your Thanksgiving slate of games. I, I, I'm not even sure... About this, the Lions start their third-string quarterback, David Blau, and he's a rookie from Purdue, and he had a pretty decent game, 280 yards, two touchdowns, and interception, but this came out of the blue because, you know, Jeff Driscoll was supposed to be the starter from what I could see. I... I, I still can't figure out why they had David Blow in, but it, it was a really close game on Thanksgiving as the Lions fall to the Bears by four points, but it was a pretty back-and-forth game. I thought this would be more of a game that the Bears would just dominate, but it is a division game, always a toss-up, as you know. But uh, a great start to the Thanksgiving slate of games. Then Buffalo upsets the Dallas Cowboys, not really an upset, Buffalo had the other hand, better record, but the the Cowboys just did not play well, period, and the Buffalo Bills took advantage, Josh Allen did really good, 
the rushers had a good game. Frank Gore, um, he surpassed Barry Sanders. Um, so he he's up there. Altogether, a great game. 26 to 15 final score on that one. And the Sunday night Thursday header game. Um, the New Orleans Saints beat the Atlanta Falcon, Falcons 26-18. to 18. Um, yeah, New Orleans just had the upper hand, and it, it wasn't Atlanta, but uh, I just think New Orleans was not going to let Atlanta beat them twice as Atlanta did in the Superdome a couple weeks back. But Drew Brees, the Falcons' defense held Drew Brees to 184 yards. Matt Ryan over 300 yards passing. But it's still a one-dimensional game for the Falcons. The They just cannot seem to get the running game going. And that's a big issue for the Falcons that they're going to have to adjust in weeks to come. Their three and nine season, they're pretty much out of playoff contention. Um, not mathematically, but yeah, just the way it goes in that NFC South division, I, I don't think they really have a shot, but it, you know, it goes with time and stuff, but it was a great thing Thanksgiving on Thursday. Um, three games, three pretty exciting games. So I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Um, turkey and football, eating a lot. I'm sh- I know I did, and it, it was really fun. So moving on to the Sunday slate of games, and I just want to get into it. The if I were to tell you, number one. The Miami Dolphins would beat the Philadelphia Eagles this uh, this past Sunday. Number two, the Patriots would lose on Sunday night. In number three, the Redskins would win two in a row. They're still technically in playoff contention, and Darius Geis had 129 yards. If I were to tell you that, would you have believed me? If I If I were being told that, I wouldn't believe them. But it happened. You got the Redskins beating the Panthers 29-21. to The Miami Dolphins, where did this come from? Beating the Philadelphia Eagles 37-31. to Huge trick play for the Dolphins. Their punter shoveling it to their place kicker on a two-point conversion. And, like, what a, what a play that was. It was crazy. And it was, uh, it was Matt Hack from Arizona State, he flips it over to the place kicker, and <laughs> it was hilarious. I, I just couldn't believe it. The formation they were set up in, it just looked like they couldn't really do anything. They were lined up so weird, but they made it work. A no-look pass, and that gave the Dolphins momentum, in my opinion. And it, the, the Eagles just... Whew, I, I'm not sure what to say about the Eagles falling to 5-7 and seven after that loss to the Dolphins, but w- once again, a one-dimensional game. Uh, Miles Sanders, only 83 yards. That's not going to cut it in the National Football League. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, I, I don't know, there needs to be some sort of change in Philadelphia. The panic button needs to get hit if it isn't hit by right now. But th- this just goes to show how bad the NFC East is with Dallas losing, the Eagles losing, the Giants lost to the Green Bay Packers 31-13. to 
And the Redskins win two in a row against the Carolina Panthers, a game we will talk about right now. Dwayne Haskins looked decent, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but 147 yards. That's a decent start. Kyle Allen throwing one interception, but the Redskins' defense looked pretty good. Even without Ryan Kerrigan, who missed his first career NFL game with the Redskins. That's huge. That For how long Ryan Kerrigan has been in the league, he only missed one game due to injury, and that was against the Panthers. Darius Geis, wow. I was not expecting him to rush over 100 yards. Peterson right behind him, 13 carries for 99 yards. And the, the Redskins, they almost blew it. I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Uh, Carolina uh, has an onside kick, and they recover. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's definitely going to give Carolina the win. Only Washington would j- uh, blow an onside recovery to give the team a chance to win. And that's what happened. But... It came down to fourth and goal at like the five, if I'm correct, somewhere in the red zone. And Kyle Allen's in the shotgun. He holds onto the ball too long, and he he gets sacked like 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that that's just a situation there where you need to get rid of the football. And it, it was crazy to to me because I thought it, it was for sure going to be a conversion and the Panthers would have won. But now the Redskins defense stepped up on that last play and they got the win. And it, it was crazy to see, but um it but going back to the Panthers firing Ron Rivera, um it, I mean he was a decent head coach with what he has, but I mean he he was still struggling with the pieces he had. You know, Kyle Allen, he he was doing pretty good, but with Cam Newton on IR and I mean, he had good pieces. I guess uh, Carolina's new upper management just didn't like the direction Ron Rivera was coaching the team in. So he got fired after that 29 to 21 loss over the Washington Redskins. And the Redskins have won two straight. And mathematically, the Redskins are not out of the playoffs. There's a scenario if Dallas loses out. Philadelphia loses all their games except for Dallas. No, excuse me. Loses all their games except for Dallas. And the Redskins win out. They can make the playoffs with a 7-9 record. No, I'm not getting hopeful. Not at all. I am not getting hopeful. That is not what I'm doing. I'm just saying there's a chance. uh, It's 99.999% not going to happen in my book. But... It, that just goes to show how bad the NFC East is with these teams. That the Redskins in third place behind the Giants in fourth place have a chance of making the playoffs with a losing record. That That's just mind-blowing. Just think about that. Other scores around the league from Week 13. The Cincinnati Bengals get their first one of the season having Andy Dalton right back in um, apparently their backup quarterback wasn't getting the job done, and Andy Andy Dalton comes in, throws over 200 yards, and gets the job done against the New York Jets with a 1-11 record now. It's just, well, what are they going to do, stockpile on draft picks? 
or something like that to make their team better, but they get their first win of the season. Next game I want to talk about, the game of the year. I watched this more than I did the Redskins. The Baltimore Ravens defeat the San Francisco 49ers 20-17. This game was as advertised. A very competitive back-and-forth football game. It was amazing. Sevens on the board in the first quarter. 10-7 in the second quarter by way of the Ravens. 3-0 49ers in the fourth quarter. And the Ravens 3-0. Excuse me. Uh, 3-0 Ravens in the fourth quarter, 20-17. Justin Tucker with that game-winning field goal. But the key in that game in the fourth quarter, the time of possession. The time of the possession was key for the Ravens. They held the ball for over five, six minutes. They didn't give San Francisco an opportunity to possess the football again, giving Justin Tucker the opportunity with ice in his veins to kick that game-winning field goal. It was amazing. Stats for you, Jimmy G, one touchdown, 165 yards. Lamar Jackson, over 100 yards rushing. What an animal Lamar Jackson is. Ingram, 59 yards. And, uh, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, every he's proving everybody wrong. They're, they're saying he's not really a running quarterback or anything. Lamar Jackson is a candidate for MVP, in my opinion. That that performance, hands down, showed me that Lamar Jackson is in the race for an MVP spot. And it, it was a great game all around. And, you know, it was as advertised. And what a game. Great viewers. And we'll get into more standings and stuff, but... As of right now, Baltimore 2017 uh, over the 49ers, and they improved to 10 and 2. Miami and Philadelphia. Uh, I talked about this, but they, they still have to hit the panic button. Tampa Bay beats Jacksonville 28 to 11 in the rematch in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh beats Cleveland 20 to 13. Mason Rudolph gets benched. Benched, excuse me, Devlin Hodges throws for over 200 yards passing. Um, Kansas City routes Oakland, not a lot to talk about there. Los Angeles Rams routes Arizona 34-7. Denver and the Chargers. What a game this was. The Chargers were down early in this game, and they come back, almost beat them. They, they have a field goal to take the lead. Uh, no, tie, excuse me, at 20. And the Broncos uh, are driving down the field. And by the way, they have rookie Drew Locke starting for them over Joe Flacco, 18 for 28, 134 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception for the rookie out of Missouri. He looked pretty good in his first start, and he gets his first one. How it happened was the Broncos were driving uh, pretty deep out of field goal range, and Drew Locke fires a bomb. Uh, I forget who it was to. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure who it was. I think it was Sutton. I, I, I'm not for sure, but anyways, he fires a bomb, draws pass interference. They're inside field goal range, and Brandon McManus just drills one to win the game. So that that was a very interesting game. But the Chargers, they're, they're just struggling. They're struggling, and they need to find a way to start winning games. And 
the, this loss against the Broncos, I think the Chargers will not have a spot in the playoffs after that. They were on the edge, on the fence of making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. But after this loss, I think the Chargers will not have a shot at making the playoffs. But next game, the Sunday night game. Wow. Houston plays an all-around game and gets the win over New England. Even a trick play DeAndre Hopkins throws for a touchdown. That's crazy. All-around, great game. Back and forth. But the Texans were just ready to play. And that's... It's very huge to beat a team like the New England Patriots. 10-2 and two they fall to. Even though Brady had over 300 yards passing, Deshaun Watson just had a ball game. Three passing touchdowns. It was awesome. It was awesome to see that. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It was very awesome to see it. But with the Texans beating the Patriots... The Baltimore Ravens at this current moment, excuse me, are number one in the AFC. I'm not sure if this is going to stick at all, but for the time being, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Baltimore. And that's huge. By by head-to-head record, the Baltimore Ravens are number one in the AFC, and that's huge for the Ravens right now. Big confidence boost, and we're just going to have to see how things turn out down the home stretch. It is December, as you know, so only one more month of regular season football before we get into the playoffs. So we'll be taking a look at the standings very, very closely. Um. Tennessee, Indianapolis, 31-17. Indianapolis kicking game, still not looking good. A blocked field goal, and they run it back to the house. Um, New York, Daniel Jones is obviously regressing. Three interceptions on the day, but yet again, it was against the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers threw for four touchdowns. But Daniel Jones, I think he is regressing a lot, and... Uh, the Giants fall to last place with a 2-10 and record, but 31-13 to in that game. And the Monday night game, the Vikings. Kirk Cousins' record on Monday night football is 0-8. That's huge. Some of those games were against the Redskins. I did have to experience the pain of that. But... All around, still another close football game, but the Seahawks come away victorious. Chris Carson had a really great game on the ground rushing. Dalvin Cook, on the other hand, he goes out with an injury, only has 29 yards. That didn't help my fantasy team, but the Seahawks, Russell Wilson did great. Uh, It was an all-around game, you know, just another close game, but this was a huge game in the NFC for both these teams for a playoff spot. The Vikings are 8 and 4 after that loss. The Seahawks 10 and 2. But this was a big game for playoff spots in my opinion and the Seahawks defeated the Vikings 37 to 30. So, once again, Wrapping up week 13, starting Thursday night, the Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions 24-20. The Bills over the Cowboys 26-15. The Saints over the Falcons 26-18. to 
Sunday's slate of games, the Redskins over the Panthers, 29-21. The Bengals over the Jets, 22-16. The Titans over the Colts, 31-17. The Ravens over the Niners, 20-17. The uh, Buccaneers over the Jaguars, 28-11. The Dolphins over the Eagles, 37-31. The Green Bay Packers over the New York Giants, 31-13. Pittsburgh over Cleveland, 20-13. The Rams over the Cardinals, 34-17. The Kansas City Chiefs over the Oakland Raiders, 40-9. The Denver Broncos over the Los Angeles Chargers, 23-20. Houston over New England, 28-22. Seattle over Minnesota, 37-30. And that is your Week 13 wrap-up. Very, very odd week. To sum it all up, very odd seeing New England lose to Houston, Denver in that game, Philadelphia just getting upset by Miami, Washington beating Carolina, and how close of a game Chicago and Detroit was. So just some of the key thoughts there. But other news and notes the Cincinnati Reds land Mike Moustakis from Milwaukee, and the Chicago Blackhawks assistant coach Mark Crawford under investigation of alleged misconduct and abuse. That wraps up Week 13's preview. We'll take a quick break. As always, Jason Kamlowski and Fantasy Football Files on the other side. When we return, we'll be... Taking a look inside week 14, giving you a preview of all the good games, news, notes, and more. As always, you're listening to the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Stay tuned for Fantasy Football Files. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another week of the Fantasy Football Files. I'm your host, Jason Kimlowski, on the Josh Kirby Sports Podcast. Uh, hard to believe it's already week 14. Um, probably going to do the DFS angle again. Got some good feedback on that. Um, but at first just talk a little bit about season long. Uh, most people probably have their playoffs starting this week. Um, possibly next week too, but, uh, a lot of leagues, I know my big money league, we start our playoffs this week. Uh, question that somebody posted on Twitter, I guess was, if I'm eliminated, should I, you know, be working the waiver wire still, uh, picking up players, which sparked a little bit of a debate because you know there were a lot of people saying, well, you know, just because I'm not playing for the championship doesn't mean I'm not still playing. Which, I mean, yeah, it's true, um, but at the same time, you know, what are you playing for? Um, it, it, if you're not playing, you know, for a shot at the money or you know, a shot at the title. I don't think picking up players is something that uh, is something that you should do. Personally, I don't. I mean, unless after waivers run, you know, if you want to pick up a free agent, then then by all means, you know, do so. But I don't think you should be picking up guys and using waiver priority over teams that are that are in the the championship hunt. Um, and my argument for that is, of course, you know, draft better and play better throughout the year because. If you do those things, um, you'll be in the playoffs. And, 
you will have an opportunity to pick up players. So if you want to, you, know, you want to be in that position, then then play fantasy football better. Um, don't you know screw guys out of you know picking somebody up that could help them. Um, you know because you're trying to play for pride. I just don't you know I can't get on board with that. But anyways, um, you know week fourteen, uh, I've got. You know, like I said, my big money league still alive there. Actually, regular season champion there, um, subtle brag. But a um, uh, couple of dynasty leagues I'm in still alive in those. Uh, I've got a couple of rebuilds in dynasty that you know dead in the water, obviously there. But there's a reason behind that, and there's a there's a plan there. Um, but that's kind of why we're taking the the DFS route um, these last couple of weeks because. You know, DFS, obviously, it's something where you can make up, you know, a lineup every week. And, um, you know, you can play casually for, you know, a couple bucks or, you know, you can play a little bit more serious. Um, so kind of do what we did a couple weeks ago um, and, you know, just go through a lineup here and, and look at some of the, the pricing um, on DraftKings, of course, which is PPR. So we will um, – so we'll start at quarterback where – um, we got Lamar Jackson, who is just like always an incredible play. Um, seventy four hundred this week on DraftKings, just always an incredible play, just because of the rushing upside and the rushing equity he has. Um, you know, last week, even in a game where I, you know he was very, I mean, honestly, he was very average. Um, I think what one hundred five yards passing with a touchdown. Um, he did have 100 yards rushing, which got him the 100-yard bonus on DraftKings, but still put up 26 points. Um, you know, and he's expensive. He's usually the most expensive or one of the top two most expensive quarterbacks on the slate, but with his rushing upside, um, you know, you're talking about a, a, a quarterback that, you know, has went over um, 65 yards rushing um, in 10 of their 12 games so far. So his rushing equity is like always puts him in play. Um, Lamar is always a great play. The question is, do you want to pay seventy four hundred for Lamar going to Buffalo? Um, you know, not a not a great matchup, but I think Lamar is pretty matchup proof. I'm saying cash. You know, you always got to look at Lamar. Um, you can play naked Lamar in, in cash, which means you know not pairing him up with a wide receiver or running back. Uh, I think that's viable again this week. Um, you know, it's just do you want to pay the full freight? Uh, moving down the list a little bit, we got Pat Mahomes. You know, he goes to New England. Probably a tougher matchup um, on paper. I, I I think this is a winnable matchup for Patrick Mahomes, though. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson absolutely torched the New England defense the other night. Um, and Lamar kind of had his way with him a couple weeks ago. So I think a very winnable matchup for Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes is always in play. You know, he comes in at 7000 again. A lot of money. Um, but if you think the game's going to turn into a shootout, and I, I think that most people will probably want a piece of this game. Um, you know, Mahomes is, is again, he's another one that's very viable, but of course you can, you can get a piece of Mahomes by going with, you know, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, we'll talk about some of those guys later on. Um, a couple other quarterbacks I like, uh, you know, Hard to ignore Kirk uh, or Aaron Rodgers. Washington coming to Green Bay seems like a, a slam dunk spot um, for Rodgers, even though Washington has played well the last couple of weeks. But I think another good spot for Rodgers, 6,800. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins gets a great matchup against Detroit at home. I just I don't think Cousins has the ceiling. It's 6,700 that I that I want to invest in. 
just because it doesn't seem like he's got like that 30 the 35 point ceiling game um that we need um you know the quarterback was at 6700 uh which really you know that's if you're going to win a GPP that's kind of what you need out of a quarterback with 6700 so just <laughs> not sure I love Kirk Cousins this week um I think you know the play this week might be dropping down to some of these you know lower level um cheaper price quarterback i mean i think the play last week was obviously to go with um andy dalton um who was like dirt cheap like 4700 um that seemed to be like the nut play last week uh got kind of i think out of 40 you know from 4700 um you know in cash you know getting 13 points and and um which is basically what you need but you know he attempted 37 passes last week so i mean the Bengals just continue to just throw the ball a ton um you know i just don't know if the upside's there and i mean i don't think i'd go back to dalton this week even though he's only up to 5200 um but i think the play this week might be going with um you know somebody like uh, you know like a maybe a um, Tom Brady against the the Chiefs because it doesn't seem like New England's really interested in running the ball. I mean, you know, Tom Brady at sixty one hundred. Um, you know, if you can stomach it, Sam Darnold at six thousand uh, against the Dolphins. I mean, that's kind of been like a smash spot for everybody. Um, you know, this year. Um, but you know, right now the highest ever under on the slate is Chiefs and Patriots, but it's only at forty eight and a half. Um, so, you know, what we have on a 13-game slate is just a bunch of over-unders at, like, um, 44 and a half or below. So, you know, the question we're kind of looking at is, like, where are we going to get the upside here? Uh, and so you kind of got to look for, like, at the quarterback position. Like, where do we think that, like, a quarterback could have, like, kind of a, a blow-up spot? Um, and, and I think it's that's going to be one of the bigger decisions of the week is to kind of figure out who could have that blow-up spot. Um you know, I want to like Baker Mayfield, but again, he's just 6,300. He's just so hard to trust. Um, you know, I think I think Deshaun Watson could be a good tournament play this week at 6,500 going against Houston's defense. Um, the cheap quarterback I think I like more than anybody else this week is probably Derek Carr. He, you know, he's only five grand or five k going up against Tennessee, which is a is a winnable matchup. Um, the question just with cars, like, you know, anything else, I mean, he's, he's just been, you know, again, he's one of those guys that's just not going to have that 30 point ceiling that you need in a GPP, but for cash, like he'll definitely get it done. The problem is like, there's not scoring any points. Like the last two weeks, the Raiders offense has been terrible. Like they looked awful. Um, scored three against the Jets, nine against Kansas city. I mean, just absolutely horrific. Um, so I, I think, Quarterback's going to be a tough decision this week, and I think roster construction is probably going to dictate kind of where you want to go at quarterback, and, and you're probably going to get outside of your comfort level a little bit because you know some of the the better guys are not necessarily on um, the main slate. Um, Russ, you know, being one of them, he's on the Sunday night game. So it's just you know it's a matter of do you, you know do you pay up for someone like Lamar and Mahomes or I think do you go like further down the list and and hope you can get like a twenty five point game out of like one of these guys that are in like the five k range, um, but that's gonna be like a big decision to make this week. Uh, running back, you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey's price actually came down um, from ten five to ten three 
which, you know, he probably he had by far his worst game of the year um, last week. Well, outside of the Tampa Bay game, he had like his worst game of the um, worst game of the season last week. But I mean, he still had seventeen point two fantasy points. But when you're paying ten five, I mean, obviously you want like way more than that. Um, but I think McCaffrey's definitely viable this week going up against the the Falcons. It's just um, you know, do you want to pay? Do you want to pay up for him or not? Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook has like a dream matchup, but obviously he's banged up. Went out of the game Monday night with an injury you know shoulder injury um probably not you know cook is probably just gonna be a tournament play this week for me not not really much of a cash game play um i think derrick henry is very viable against oakland um he might be probably my favorite running back on the slate um if you look at his last four games he's just absolutely crushing uh averaging 20 what 29 30 probably averaging 30 draft kings points per games over his last four um you know getting a little bit of work in the passing game uh he you know three targets last week caught uh caught all three balls but just i mean just running downhill just getting downhill and just punishing people um my favorite tournament play this week though is probably uh, alvin Kamara against san francisco and i think new orleans is kind of in a sneaky good spot here even though san francisco's defense is pretty good um so this is another one of those games where San Francisco is, is going to be on the East Coast, and it's it's like a back-to-back East Coast situation for them. Um, it's also a back-to-back early week East Coast situation for them. Um, I just think this could be a potentially a get-right spot for Kamara in a game where he's probably not going to have a ton of ownership. And anytime Alvin Kamara gets down below, <coughs> excuse me, down below eight K, um, and he's all the way down to seven thousand this week. I think you definitely have to look at him. Um, because you look at the other running backs that are kind of in his same price range. I mean, do you want to pay 7200 for Le'Veon Bell, even though he's going against Miami? I mean, it doesn't seem like Adam Gase can get anything figured out. Um, you know, do you want to pay 6500 for Josh Jacobs, even though he has absolutely no role in the passing game? I mean, I don't think you're paying 6400 for Melvin Gordon or Austin Eckler. Um, so, I mean, I think I think Kamara is like the smash running back play for tournaments this week. And then you know you got to kind of make some decisions, um, you know, as always in the in the mid range. Um, I think James White could be a sneaky play on DraftKings with the PPR factor. If you want to go back to you know Darius Geis after last week, his price only came up two hundred dollars. He's at forty nine hundred. Um, if something would happen and Cook wouldn't play, obviously, um, you know his his backup. Um, Alexander Madison would be like the chalk running back, and I think you just have to eat the chalk this week. It's forty five hundred against the, the Lions. I think you just have to eat the chalk and just go with him. But you know, we're recording this on Wednesday, so the injury reports, you know, are kind of uh, limited right now. Um, but I think another guy I like that's kind of like in the seventy eight hundred range is Leonard Fournette because he's getting like a ton of work in the passing game now too. Um, which that probably won't change with Gardner Minshew taking over at quarterback. Um, so I think Fournette's <clears throat> you know, definitely viable going against the Chargers defense. And, um, you know, if, it, if I mean, if I would have to pick like right now, I think him and Kamara would be like 1-2 for me. Um, switching to wide receiver, you know, 
some wide receivers and some good matchups this week. Um, Stephon Diggs, again, I think he's perfectly viable this week. Actually, I think he might be my favorite wide receiver play on the slate this week. Um, at 7,600, you know, if Adam Thielen's out again, especially, I think that just makes him even more of a slam dunk. Um, you know, DJ Moore going against Atlanta. Um, you know, I think it comes down to, like, do you trust Kyle Allen? Um, but DJ Moore's prone to, like, kind of these blow-up games. Um, and he's been pretty consistent over the past four weeks. So DJ Moore's in play at 7K. Um, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, uh, which I think, again, is kind of another sneaky good play um, against Denver. I think that's a winnable matchup for him, um, 7,400. You know, if you want to get on the upper, upper side of this, uh, Michael Thomas's price is down to 8,300, which, um, you know, for a guy that last week was at, was at 9,100 and two weeks ago was at 9,300, um, you know, I know it's a tough matchup against San Francisco and DraftKings has done a really nice job of kind of, um, adjusting their prices based on matchup, but I mean, Michael Thomas can win in any matchup. So I think 8,300 for him is perfectly reasonable. Um, same thing with Tyreek at 8,100, although Stefan Gilmore is kind of shut down, um, number one wide receivers this year for the most part. Uh, Devontae Adams coming off another smash spot last week, uh, came through, didn't like I mean, 24 DraftKings points, which is, you know, it's 7K. I mean, that's three times value, which we'll take. But, I mean, like, you're kind of hoping for, for just a bit more there in a GPP. But, I mean, it's 7K. I mean, that'll get you there in cash all day. Um, some of the lower price guys that, that I think this week, you know, Marvin Jones steps you know, stands out as, like, a really good play at 5,400. Um, you know, <clears throat> A.J. Brown, 5,300, another really good play. Um, I'm not real inclined to go back to the Curtis Samuel train, um, or bucket just because I, I just think that's kind of a, I think he's so inconsistent. I think that's going to be a tough pill to swallow at 4,900, but you know, some of the questions like we get into is, you know, kind of where do we want to go? Um, you know, when we get down to like the, the 4k range, um, you know, Auden Tate, his price only came up to 4,000 from 3,800. Um, you know, is he, is he still viable? I think he is, um, especially since the Bengals will probably be throwing a bunch that game. So I think Alden Tate's a good play. Although if John Ross is back this week with it, which it looks like he is going to play, um, you know, John Ross, who is priced at 4,400, I think could be another great play. <laughs> um, Mike Williams from the chargers at 4,500. I mean, the guy's got to score a touchdown at some point. Um, I mean, he's he's got to score a touchdown at some point. So I think I would just, I mean, on if I'm multi-entering, I'm just going to keep playing Mike Williams until he scores a touchdown, which, you know, just set my money on fire. Um, <clears throat> looking at tight end, and, and we talked a little bit about this. You know, tight end pricing has really come down. I mean, I can remember, like, there were a couple times last year, I think, when, like, maybe Travis Kelsey was, like, in the high sevens or even the 8K range. Um we get to a week like this week and there's not a single tight end on the slate um that's over 6200 so you know tight end has just been such a wasteland of a position um and i think that um you know it just it's a matter of of kind of where you want to go i mean i've i've kind of been paying down at tight end and it's kind of worked um I'm not real inclined to pay up for like Travis Kelsey um, or Hooper or Kittle or, or, you know, any of those guys. I'm not real inclined to pay up for them. 
Um, the guy that's intriguing this week at 4,300 is Vance McDonald because tight ends have just absolutely worked Arizona this year. I mean, Tyler Higby last week went off. I just I just don't know if, if Duck Hodges can get him the ball um, consistently enough. So, you know, I want to play Vance McDonald, but at 4,300, am I willing to take like a five-point game? I, I just I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if I want to chase like the flowchart idea um, with tight ends against Arizona. That's that's a decision that I'm going to have to make um, kind of as the week goes on. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Looking at some other tight ends, you know, in the lower range, um, I think, I think you know, like Tyler Higby last week was kind of a smash play at, at like the bare minimum price, and we don't really have that this week. Um, but, you know, looking at um, – even in the low 3K range, I don't know that I trust Noah Fant. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think you can even look at at someone like you know Greg Olson. Even though he's got the questionable tag, I mean, it's, it doesn't look like he's even going to play this week. Now, if Olson doesn't play, I think Ian Thomas becomes kind of an interesting um, min cash or min price guy. Um, you know, at twenty five hundred, you know, you're looking for like ten points maybe, if that, um, out of Ian Thomas. I mean, if you can get like seven points, which you know, if he catches four balls for twenty five yards and falls in the end zone, like that's that's awesome. Like that's exactly what you want. So I think Ian Thomas could be like a really interesting play at twenty five hundred. Um but I think outside of that, just it's just a wasteland of of kind of what you want to look at. A tight end. I mean, it's just you know, you know, Jack Doyle is is the only real receiving threat at tight end for the for the Colts. I mean, you know, good matchup against Tampa Bay. Um, we talked already about Vance McDonald. Um, you know, Mark Andrews is always viable, but just a really tough matchup, and I just don't think he can continue to just keep scoring like touchdowns every week to like stay relevant. Um, you know. Darren Waller's just not getting the volume, even though last week he, he kind of went off. But, you know, they were down by 100 against Kansas City, so they had to keep throwing the ball. So, I mean, tight end's going to kind of be interesting. I will probably <coughs> have more Ian Thomas than I want to. Uh, if it looks like Greg Olson isn't going to play. But, I mean, at 2,500, um, and, and it's just such a, a condensed, um, like, market share of, of – you know, targets and opportunities in Carolina. You know, you got the two wide receivers, you got McCaffrey, and you got the tight end. So it's like such a condensed, like, grouping of people that get the football. Um, I think Ian Thomas will absolutely be in my builds at 2,500, um, which, you know, kind of opens things up. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of playing around with lineups right now as I do this. Um, but it, it kind of opens things up if you want to go that route where you're able to fit in some of these higher-priced guys. Um you know, and, and you've got to do less of like what I would call bargain base or um, yeah, bargain basement shopping um, for like DFS purposes. So, you know, with, with what I'm looking at right now, with like Kamara, Fournette, Diggs, Mike Williams, Ian Thomas, the Colts, um, that leaves me an average of six K left to get a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a flex, which is really doable. Um, you know, even if I slide Lamar in there at seventy four hundred. Um, you know, go down, look at wide receiver. Um, 
you know, and maybe get like Marvin Jones Jr. 5,400 and then get a $5,400 flex play. Um, you know, even look at like Jameson Crowder or, or um, Philip Lindsay to, you know, like that's, you know, so you're looking at like Lamar Jackson, Kamara, Fournette, Diggs, Mike Williams, Marvin Jones Jr., Ian Thomas, Philip Lindsay, and Colts D. <laughs> Colts D. Um, you know, that's a pretty solid cash lineup right there, honestly. Um, plenty of upside, plenty of floor, you know, and if some of these guys hit, I mean, you're cashing easy. So I don't think the builds this week on DraftKings are going to be like so, so tight that you're not able to, to come up with, with a solid lineup. And I think as the week goes on and we kind of see like injury wise, where guys fall, um, you know, and what some of the injury reports come out with, I mean, I think it's going to be a little easier to make some of our decisions, you know, and there's some opportunity there. You know, does James Conner play against Arizona? Um, you know, if he doesn't, uh, you know, I think it's a Benny Snell. I think, you know, he would be viable. Um, you know, does does Marlon Mack come back against Tampa Bay? Um, I, I don't think Marlon – I don't think any of the any of the Indianapolis running backs are viable this, this week because Tampa Bay is just such a tough run defense. Um, but if he doesn't come back um, – you know, is it one of those things um, where we go to one of the backup running backs? I mean, I just don't know if any of the Colts running backs can be trusted. Just a horrible matchup. Probably avoid them. And this, you know, and and I I see some things sometimes. Maybe it's one of those weeks where we like, you know, try to figure out who we don't want to play more than who we do want to play. And if and if you look at like the quarterbacks that we absolutely you know don't want to touch. Um, you know, this week, I mean, Devin Hodges, Minshew, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, David Blow. I mean, I'm even going to throw Fitzmagic in there. Um, and, and Kyle Allen, like that, that narrows down. I mean, that, that eliminates like seven quarterbacks right there. Um, probably don't want to play Ryan Tannehill. He came crashing back to earth. Um, I mean, it's just going to be process elimination this week. And, you know, I, I, it's just going to be how much risk you want to take on with your lineup, um, you know, and it's, it's early in the week. It's only Wednesday. I mean, we'll get some information. Um, but I do think the with the way the pricing is this week, it's going to be fairly easy to come up with a reasonable build, especially for cash. I don't think it's gonna be too hard to do. So like I said, the lineup I just built just real, real quick while I was doing this, Lamar Jackson, Alvin Kamara, Lenny Fournette, Stefan Diggs, Mike Williams, Marvin Jones, Jr. Ian Thomas, Philip Lindsay and the Colts day. Um, pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Um, you could pivot certainly to get, you know, like in the flex, um, you could very easily pivot off of Philip Lindsay and go down to, um, you know, like Darius Geis, probably get similar amount of upside, especially for the matchup. Um, and that would get you up to 2,900, which would then allow you to get to the Ravens D. So, <clears throat> you know, again, just got to play around a little bit, see what build works for you. Um, but you know, definitely the pricing on DraftKings you should be able to do that this week. So for those of you this week that are in the first round of your playoffs, good luck. Um, you hit me up on Twitter at Jason Kamlowski. Start sick questions. Uh, if you have questions about DFS and strategy and things like that, feel free to hit me up. Um, best of luck this week in week 14, and we will see you back here next week for week 15 of the Fantasy Football Files. Thanks. The Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, part of the Mayo Please Podcast Network, is sponsored by Route 11 Chips. Make sure you grab a bag today inside your local Martins, Food Lion, and Giant stores. And our new sponsor and fellow sports fans at PM Plus Reserves, 
providing reserve studies for homeowner and condominium associations in the Washington metropolitan area for the past 30 years. Make sure you check us out on all streaming platforms via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. You can also find the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, along with the Mayo Please on Twitter. Have any questions for the show? Feel free to shoot us an email at kirbyonsports at gmail.com. All right, we are back. Thank you once again to Jason Kamlowski, as always, for Fantasy Football Files. Does a great job each and every week. If you haven't checked him out, make sure you do so on Twitter at Jason Kamlowski. Bringing you back inside for a Week 14 preview. Starting off Thursday night, the Dallas Cowboys playing the Chicago Bears. Sunday slate of games. 1 o'clock, Washington travels to Lambeau Field to face the Green Bay Packers. The Carolina Panthers, first game without their head coach, Ron Rivera, in a division matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. How are they going to do? That's the big question there in my mind. Baltimore playing Buffalo, another another big opponent. Um, that's going to be another close game in my opinion. Cincinnati playing Cleveland. Denver playing Houston. Detroit in Minnesota after Minnesota got banged up a little bit with Dalvin Cook on that Monday night game. Is this game going to be competitive or will Minnesota have an edge on the Lions? The 49ers and the New Orleans Saints both with a 10-2 and record going into that matchup. The Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. The Indianapolis Colts and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Los Angeles and Jacksonville starting off our 4 o'clock games. Pittsburgh and Arizona. Kansas City and New England. Tennessee and Oakland. The Sunday night game, Seattle facing the Los Angeles Rams. In Monday night football, It's another storyline. Daniel Jones is in a walking boot. So Eli Manning probably will get the start for the New York Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles. What a turn of events that is. So key games to look out for, in my opinion. The Giants facing the Eagles. And San Francisco and New Orleans, another big NFC matchup. Detroit and Minnesota, I want to say that's one. Um, Carolina and Atlanta put that on the list and Baltimore in Buffalo, in my opinion. So that is a week 14 preview coming up right now, a special segment. We have a special guest that I had the opportunity to speak with. Um, so I'll go ahead and let you take a listen to our interview And when we return, we'll wrap up the show. You're listening to the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. All right. Special segment here on the podcast. We have a longtime friend to the show. Um, Actually, the former co-host, if you don't remember him. It just seems like yesterday we did our last show. But CJ Mentir makes his way back onto the podcast. CJ, what you been up to, buddy? Well, I've been grinding, man. Uh, I've been uh, working my butt off out here, making my own show. But it's uh, I had you on last week, and you said you wanted to have me on, so I'm back to talk on Josh Kirby on sports again, I guess. Yes, sir. It, it, it's great to hear your voice again. So you, you still out there doing stuff with JMU? Yes, I am. Good. Just uh, same stuff, Olympic sports? Yes, 
yes. Uh, just uh, getting more experience in Olympic sports still. Yep. Well, that that's awesome. Way, way to grind. Um, if you are new to the podcast, CJ was my co-host for uh, a good solid amount of episodes before he started his, his own podcast called Pub Talk. So, CJ, um, give, give us a little bit about um, how you decided to start this venture on your own podcast and tell us a little bit about how it's gone so far. Well, uh, the big thing was is that uh, being on your show, it really got me thinking that, uh, you know, it is your show. It's Josh Kirby on sports. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to change that because it is something that you grew and something that you wanted to keep growing. And I knew that even if I stayed as your co-host, that um, it was never going to change, unfortunately, for Josh Kirby on sports. And I didn't want that to change. It's your own show. So I got to thinking on my own. And I basically, over the past eight months that I was with you, I gained a lot of knowledge in working in the podcast. And I basically wanted to make my own show. But I wanted to make it my own. And uh, my dad, who has been a football coach for over 25 years, he wanted to join me on the show, in which he does. And uh, if you ever listen to us uh, after this episode at Pub Talk, he is known as Coach. He's always with me on every single episode. We also bring on special guests, uh, like my brother, who will be on from time to time. We also bring around guests here from the Shenandoah Valley who will come on and uh, one of the things that we always want to talk about on the show is about uh, um, how our how our ideas will will basically come together, and we also just talk about we give our own, own opinions on stuff. It's just like Josh Kirby on sports. Okay, it's just it's the same thing really, but uh, we have a little bit more knowledge on other areas other than just Washington sports, which is what Josh Kirby on sports is mainly about. It's about Washington sports where we give our opinions more on other subjects, not just dealing with Washington sports. And we also bring in uh, alcohol. It is a more explicit show, but uh, we do a lot of uh, beer tasting, actually. So anyone who wants to know more about microbreweries and not just domestic beers, uh, we do offer that on the show. And uh, we've been going around here in Virginia to different breweries to taste out their beers at those specific breweries like Port City and Alexandria, like Escutcheon Brewing here in uh, Winchester. We go around to different places, and we want to be able to bring that to the people. And also, beer drinking is just a part of football. It just is. You ever go to a sporting event, if you ever go to a football game, it is a part of the atmosphere. I'm sure you've met your fair share of drunken fans. That's not what we are. Okay, we don't get drunk on the show, but we do beer tasting. And we talk about football a lot. Uh, and during the off season, we do have something called Six Beers where we mix and match. And we have more special guests on the show to be able to taste those beers so we can show them to the world. And uh, we also talk about movies. We talk about we talk about guy stuff during the summer once football season is over because no one really cares about basketball at that time, unfortunately for us. But the main point I wanted to get across is, is that our show is, it's for everybody who enjoys wanting to learn about sports from a different perspective like like Coach and I because we've been around the sport of football for over – well, I've been around for over 20 years, and Coach has been around for over 25 years as a coach. That's why he's called Coach. 
and we bring in special guests who know a lot about football, and we always want them to join in. We don't just want them to be a guest and have and have us ask them questions. We want them to jump in, which is what Josh did on our, uh, I want to say, second, our second most recent episode. He was on our show, and, of course, he always has good insight, and we wanted him to be on the show, and we wanted to be able to promote our show with him on it, and that's why we're on this right now, because we want you guys to come on over to Pub Talk. Uh, we want you guys to enjoy our show, and we think that we are a very good show for you guys to enjoy. And that's Pub Talk. We are on Spotify at CJ's Pub Talk and also on Podbean at Pub Talk. And you can follow us on Twitter at the Pub QM. You can find us on there. We post all of our episodes every single week, and we hope you guys will enjoy uh, all of our episodes if you do tune in to our show. Yeah, yeah, you saved me some breath there, so I didn't have to plug you. You plugged yourself. So, um, so you you review beer. Um, tell tell us a little bit more about that. Have you been able to visit like microbreweries and stuff? Like, uh, how does that work? Do you go out to different breweries and like, hey, I like this. I want to get it on the show. Or how does that work? So basically, here luckily in uh, Winchester. We actually have a store called the Better Beer Store, and then also in Front Royal, we have the Apple House. And these stores carry a lot of microbreweries. And so when we taste them and we notice that they are from here in Virginia, well, we take a stroll out there. Just this past weekend, we went out to Alexandria, which has Port City. And by my estimation, it is right now the best brewery in Virginia. Out of all the breweries we've been to, Port City has the best selection of microbrewery beers, and it was phenomenal. And that's something that we do is that uh, we want to be able to go out to these breweries to also taste the beers there, see how it's made. Because, I mean, beer can go into cans and bottles, and it can be sitting on the shelf for a while. You go to the brewery, it's fresh, it's right there. Yeah, it, it, indeed. But um, it, it's really great to see how you've grown from my show to Pub Talk. And the main reason why I wanted to get you on is so people knew what you all were what you all were doing over there at Quincy Mill, as you like to call it, the Pub QM. But uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're creating a network here, and uh, I just like to say that podcasting's huge. I, I think us together, in my opinion, CJ, we're branching off. And I, I know another set of people who just started their own sports podcast. It, it's a growing thing. And to have this podcast industry grow in the Shenandoah Valley and whatnot, I, I, I think it's huge. And yeah, you're doing great stuff, man. Um, I appreciate you coming on, but, um, uh, anything sports wise, um, you have any insight about, you just wanted to rat off to us real quick. Yeah, of course. Your Redskins won two in a row. What is going on with that right now? You guys beat the Carolina Panthers and then you make them fire my guy, Ron Rivera. That's very, that makes me very angry, Josh. Well, Why do you guys uh, have to go and do that? Well, uh, on the note of the Redskins, it's surprising that they still have a shot to make the playoffs at a 7-9 and nine record. There are a lot of pieces that have to fall into place. It's probably not going to happen. But two in a row, I mean, 
I, I didn't really watch much because I was watching the game of the year, the 49ers and the Ravens. But yeah, I can't believe they've won two in the row in a row. And uh, going real quickly to college, I, I I tuned into your last episode of Pub Talk, and I'm I'm sure you are glad that Alabama is out of the top ten in the rankings. I, I'm really just happy because uh, this this season in particular, whatever your opinions are on them being great, they are a great organization. They're a great football team. Uh, but this year, unfortunately, they just weren't cutting it in terms of their strength of schedule and their resume. And when it came down to it, after losing to us, their quarterback, uh, it just wasn't cutting it. It really wasn't. And the fact that they were still in the hunt without Tua m- makes me really mad because I go, that's not exciting for anyone because they've lost their Heisman candidate quarterback, and now they're going into a backup quarterback, and they're still going to have a chance to make the playoff. What? he's not even in the same league as Tua. He's just not. And the whole reason why he was going to have a chance was just because of their name, Alabama. And my point was proven by them playing Auburn. They are clearly not capable of going further in the playoff without Tua. And even with Tua, I'm not so sure that they would have gotten that far because of their defense. It's a very young defense. And they clearly have gotten torched against good opponents like Auburn and LSU. And, yeah, I was very happy to see that Alabama is no longer going to play for a national championship this year because it's not good for the sport. No matter how, no matter what uh, team you root for, it's not good for the sport when every single year it's the same national championship. We've had the same national championship for the past – three out of four years that's embarrassing and i and i am glad to see that it won't happen this year uh and and i do know about the college football uh playoff system how it's very small and a lot of people are like hey we don't like this in your opinion do you think the college football playoff should expand to like an eight or 16 team format yeah i i I just here's the thing. I, I'm glad to be an FCS fan. I'm glad to go to a school in the FCS because at least my Dukes will always have a chance if they make the playoffs to win a national championship. There is always a slight, slim chance, even if they are the low, the last team to make it into the bracket, they will have a chance to win the national championship. The fact that they have conference championships at the FBS level is ridiculous to me because it doesn't matter because that is like their national championship. Every single time you see Appalachian State win their conference at the Sun Belt or you see Memphis and Cincinnati going at it right now for the, uh, for the AAC, what is the point? All you're doing is bidding for a bowl game, and yet for some reason they won their conference, but they will not have a chance to play for a national championship. It makes no sense. I don't care if you say that they are not good enough to play for a national championship, then play them. If they are not good enough, then they will lose in the first round or they will lose in the second round. If they are not that good, then prove it with a 16-team season, with the amount of conferences that are in the playoff, that are in the FBS. It is ridiculous to me that if, if Alabama would have still stayed in, we would have had almost three teams 
compete for a national championship from the SEC. That is no, – no, excuse me, two – and then Ohio State and Clemson. We would have had two teams from the SEC, one from the Big Ten, and one from the ACC. What about the Big, tw- what about the Big 12? What about the Pac-10? What, what about those conferences? I, I don't understand that. How those conferences are not ju- – they're just not good enough, apparently, to play for a national championship. That's ridiculous to me. And that's why I'm happy to be uh, a part of an FCS alma mater where I know that at least I will have a chance. Because North Dakota State, if you follow SCS football, has won national championships seven out of the past eight years. The one year that they lost was because of my Dukes, and we went into the Fargo Dome and beat them. Any team can go in and beat anybody. But at the FBS level, it, there's just no point. And, and the final point I'll make is, is, how do you get 64 teams for March Madness to happen, but you can only get four? For a national championship. That's what I'm saying. For football. For football. That's ridiculous to me. That is that is ridiculous to me. That's all. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, 64 teams for March Madness, and why aren't you following a format similar to that? Everybody I've talked to about this, they're like, oh, now, then you're going to have a number one seed knock out a number 16 seed. And yeah, we're well, going to have a blowout. And I'm like, what, why not? Maybe there's going to be that one upset, like University of Maryland, Baltimore City, or County. But, it, you know, all this you upset. You could just say UNBC, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's the thing to me. I just I, what it, That's what makes college football so great, is that we have all these passionate fans. And who's to say that just this one, that one time, that you have that Appalachian State upset in Alabama. Who's to say that that can't happen on any given day? On any given day, anybody can be beat. On any given day. But yet, for some reason, it's just not going to happen. It's a better system than we have now than when we have with the, S, uh, with the BCS. It is. I'll give you that. Because the BCS era was bullcrap. Okay, that was. The BCS era... You just have to get the luck of the draw to get into the national championship. You had to get the luck of the draw. You could be the number four team and make it in. You could be the number four team and make it in over the two and three. That's how the BCS era went. Yeah, so yeah, very great insight. Um, we could go all day about talking sports, but uh, unfortunately we don't have time for all that. But, uh, CJ, before we let you go, do you have any last words for – uh, your former podcast, the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Uh, yeah, well, I, I hope that uh, I hope you, I hope our, uh, I hope the people who listen to this show uh, will come on over to Pub Talk and listen to our great insight. And I hope that if there are some Steeler fans who listen to Josh Kirby's podcast, you'll understand just how good of a season Pittsburgh really is having right now. I, I, I am truly, as a Steelers fan, I'm truly um, I'm dumbfounded with the way that the Steelers are playing. And in my mind, I really feel like Mike Tomlin should be the coach of the year, in, in my mind, because of the season that he's turned around with old Ducky Hodges. That's all I have to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. But, I, I mean, we, we can go on and on and on. It just feels like good old times, CJ. But um, uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show for a full episode talking more sports just like the good old days. But you can go back to all our previous episodes. Um, 
uh, back from the very beginning. And you can listen to me and CJ. Um, we used to podcast every week talking about sports. It was a great time. But CJ's off doing his own podcast. But together we're growing, networking. And hopefully one day we both can make it bigger something. But CJ, as always, thank you so much for calling in. Um, great pleasure to be speaking with you again, sir. And hopefully we can get you back on soon. Um, wrapping up the show right after this, uh, stay tuned. Uh, good times that was. Great times. Having CJ back on the show was such a blast. Um, Make sure you check out what he's doing over there with his podcast, Pub Talk. Um, I, I, I respect the man. Uh, he, he's doing a great job. He has produced some great content, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him and the coach. And um, just make sure you check him out because the, the reason why I wanted to get him on again is because, you know, I, I feel like we're making some big happen, happen in the podcast community here. And, um, you know, I, I know some people who are just starting in podcasting and stuff. And my advice to you, if you want to start a podcast, if you want something out there, just do it. It doesn't matter what you have. Just do it. All you need is voice in a recorder. Somehow, some way, you can get it done. So, the, uh, my main point um, about this is j- just do what you want to do. You know, like if you want to start a podcast, do it. Because uh, I feel like this area, um, we're just growing. And Eventually, maybe CJ and I have would have made an impact on other people, and they want to start their own podcast. That that's what I'm hoping that some people take away from this. But it was great to have CJ on. Thank you so much to CJ for coming on, and make sure you sure you check him out on Twitter at CJ Mintier and on Twitter at the Pub QM. That wraps up this episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode. Till next time, so long and peace out.